Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, now that we have big national ads running on our show, uh, which I think some people hate and some people don't hate it, uh, I think they'll get used to it, but it, ma- it makes me feel more like an old school, legitimate sports broadcaster. And uh, I like that feeling. And one of the recurring questions we get uh, all the time is, who are our favorite broadcasters in sports? Yeah. And I had an experience yesterday that was really fun. So my son is 19. He's a freshman at the college where I teach. I was just having one of these days where like, I was kind of sick of grading, and I wanted a, an excuse to get it outside and walk across campus. And we posted up in this empty classroom with a huge screen and watched a few innings of the Mariners-White Sox game. And it was the Chicago broadcast. So we got to hear Steve Stone, who's been doing Chicago baseball broadcasts since I was like a little kid laying on the couch. Yeah, he was a Cubs guy forever. Yeah, it was Harry Carey and Steve Stone in my childhood. So I'd be like laying on the sofa in the summer, eating a bologna sandwich with mustard, listening to Harry Carey kind of be smashed. And Steve Stone sort of hold it all together. I, who and, could tell when Harry Carey was smashed and when he was? I mean, I I have no idea what the difference was between well, absolutely, Stone yeah. Cold sober and and not. He was smashed. He was old. There's a there's a delightful thing about baseball broadcasters, and I noticed this yesterday. So we're watching this Mariners Sox game, and the wind is blowing like 94 miles an hour sideways through you know, whatever they call their stadium, U.S. Cellular Field or whatever it is now. And the great thing about a baseball broadcast is that the the announcers can spend like 12 minutes talking about a plastic bag that's like blown across the outfield or, or across the outfield. And they like cut to the plastic bag periodically. And I'm like, in no other sport would this be a thing. And it's great. It's delightful. It was like an early season cold game in Chicago uh, Steve Stone, interestingly, has kind of taken on the Harry Carey role. So, like, he's taken on the digressive, I'm doing 12 minutes about a plastic bag thing, and I'm referencing some pop song from the 70s that nobody's ever heard. Uh, it's kind of great. So I'm in on Steve Stone. Um, where are you at on, on baseball broadcasters, Pipe? Do you have favorites? Uh, man, baseball's tough for me because there's – there's like two or three different styles of broadcaster. You get like the super old school Vin Scully who like yeah. they, they, they were masters of minimalism, Yeah, you know, just they'd be, they'd be like, you know, a deep drive to right field <laughs> and it's out of here. And like, yeah. and then you kind of hear the crowd noise. So you kind of sucked. And so they, right. the, the white space was the story. So I love yeah. that in principle, but also I'm a twins fan. So that's not what I grew up listening to. Then there's the Homer fan, so yeah. which is only good if it's your team. If you have to listen to any other broadcast, you're like, I hate these guys so much. So yeah. I, mean, I grew up a Twins fan, then moved to Chicago and had to listen to like the White Sox announcers just <laughs> yeah. be the absolute worst for years in terms yeah. of Homerism. And yeah. then you get like the national broadcast guys, you know, the yeah. you know, Fox Afternoon Baseball or, you know, John Smoltz and Joe Buck and whoever else. And they're just boring like they yeah, yeah. they don't offer much so the the one guy who i really like is um of course i'm totally blanking on his name it's john uh 
He calls Giants games, and then he does okay. national games for I think Fox. Interesting. And he just yeah. he has he has mastered the like minimal meets national broadcaster thing. Yeah, and uh, he does a really good job. The other guys who I like are the up and comers. So like the former players who, but they yeah. played three years ago instead of yeah. twenty years ago. So, That's fun. So they actually they've kept up with the advancements in how baseball is, you know, kind of the analytics and different things, which right. those things matter, you know, whether or not you like them, they are very pertinent. And so they can work a little bit of that in and sound intelligent instead of just being like, got to keep the ball down. So guys hit it into the ground. When in reality, (laughs) you keep the ball down, guys just elevate it and hammer the crap out of it. So that's right. Yeah. And on the twins broadcasts, they they've started to move more and more from the the old school guys like Burt Blylevin and Jack Morris who who are who are awful. <laughs> yeah. They're so yeah. bad. To yeah. Justin Morneau and Latroy Hawkins and some of these guys who played in the last few years who now do some coaching and different things and and they're they're not super exciting, but you listen yeah. to them and you're like I I think I understand the game a little bit better every yeah. time I listen and not and I appreciate that. No, for sure. That's that's really good. Yeah, the X player thing can go either way and it's fun so one of my favorite things about baseball is like the the local broadcast aspect of it because more often than not when you're watching a game you're getting like the seattle tv guys or the minnesota tv guys i watched like an inning and a half of a mets game the other day and it was uh it was some talking head in the middle of the booth and then on either side of him was keith hernandez yep and some other guy from the 86 mets and those guys looked so ravaged, you know, because they, they, you know, per 86 Mets stuff, enjoy the nightlife. And I'm like, I just want to hear Keith Hernandez talk about what he did last night, even if it was <laughs> underwhelming. I, I, I'd love to hear the stories because it's just like his face looks like the surface of the moon, you know, like the stories he could tell. But um, yeah, it's always fun. So the Mariners have a young up and coming guy who's like the talking head side of it, but he's really good. His name's Aaron Goldsmith. So he's young. He's probably in his early, mid-30s. Really, Is he really one of those guys who, who looks like an accountant but has a voice like John Facenda? Where you, like, if, you saw, if you saw him walking down the street, you'd be like, nerd, and then he, then he talks, and it's like this resonant thing. I think so. And maybe it's because I teach in a communications department. He, he looks like the kind of nerd who would have been in a, like, broadcast journalism class six years ago so he's kind of got that look but yeah just an incredible voice loves baseball really insightful but like kind of per your point earlier knows when to sit back and let the ambient noise of the ballpark and just the action kind of speak for itself and uh i look for that an old-timey guy that i loved and i love the way the old-timey guys could like they could do football season and baseball season mm-hmm. and hockey sometimes. So, like, if you were a fan of ESPN in the late '90s, like you would, you would catch Mike Patrick on all of the sports. And I loved his voice. It was real kind of like uh, cigarette-y, for lack of a better term, and just kind of <laughs> resonant. And um, whenever Mike Patrick was on, I knew I was getting like a Sunday night football game or some kind of elite baseball game. He was, he was really good. So he's one of my favorite voices of all time. And that's, that is one of the interesting things about like Joe Buck, who I'm not a huge fan of, but I do respect as a professional. Like, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, I think last year there was a time he went from an NFL game 
to a like the Fox NFL game to a World Series game in a day or something like that. Like that's remarkable. Just, and yeah. yeah, and and to do and he does both. I I like him better on baseball just because yeah. in fo- football I don't like most football announcers because they talk yeah. too much. I just sure. I I want to watch the game and I usually yeah. mute them. Uh, yeah. But, but baseball yeah. announcers like there's so much more white space. There's storytelling. Like Buck's yeah. a good storyteller. The pace of the game, you can tell yeah. that like, he had a good mentor in his dad, who Jack Buck yeah. was one of the one of the best. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah he, Joe on baseball is pretty good. I yeah. I do also one thing that I wish was the case now. Mm-hmm. Every announcer has the same voice. Oh yeah, you know there's, you're right, and it's it's, yeah. it's it's sort of this. It, it's baritone. It's resonant. It's a little bit lively. It sounds like the guy who does like the intros for ESPN's podcast. You know, they kind of yeah. kind of have this voice and they bring it in, and it's a little bit lively. Right. And it's and yeah, and, and you know, like that's what happened to like. So the guy who did the Twins games when I was growing up was Herb Carneal, and he kind of uh-huh. had a nasally voice like this. And yeah, and then there was uh, I've know, never met a bad Herb. I've only known a few herbs in my life. They were all exceptional people. Yeah, just salt yeah. of the earth, solid guys for sure. Right, right. And uh, and and you know, Vin Scully and uh, why am I blanking on the Brewers guy? Uh, uh, he's the just a bit outside. Um, oh yeah, Bob Uecker. Bob Uecker, legend. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in, and going all the way back to like the the Brooklyn Dodgers days with I think his name was Red Smith and these guys mm-hmm. who they. They had personality. They had different voices. Also, AM yeah. radio back in the day didn't pick up bass, so you didn't yeah. have these. And there's there's just something a little bit boring about a bunch of forty year old baritone voices announcing. <laughs> yeah, everything. yeah. I know it. I know it. Yeah, you're right. There's there's that aspect, which is where if you get somebody that's that sort of deviates from the, um, you know, the playbook a little bit, like the White Sox booth the other day. So at one point they had, they had Bo Jackson into the booth for an interview. And Bo Jackson was like wearing his own Jersey from when he was a player. So that would have been like a fun thing to talk Isn't about. Isn't he like 330 pounds now? Like yeah, he's, he's like huge. the round mound of Bo. He is. And he's, and he's really affable, but he's a terrible interview and he's always been a terrible interview. <laughs> yes. So it's like of all the ex White Sox to like have come up to the booth for an inning to do an interview, like, you could have picked almost any one at random, and it would have been better. Yeah, pick Ozzie Gian. He's always entertaining. Yeah, no disrespect to Bo Jackson, like tremendous athlete, big part of my childhood. But um, so they have him up there, and they're just like asking him about random crap, like bike riding and and like his golf game, and and somebody homered during the interview segment, and like they didn't even acknowledge the homer. So like the the visual would cut to this guy like you know, yanking the ball out of the park and they didn't even acknowledge it because Bo was like mid-story about a bike ride that he took. It was incredible. It, it's just, I, I guess, here's the thing I love about baseball broadcasts. The kind of unprofessional, like half-cocked nature of something that a lot of people are watching and that that's a big product, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that dynamic is present anywhere else and it's kind of interesting to me. What okay? So we we talked about a little bit about football, a little bit about baseball. Yeah. Baseball announcers are a huge deal because they they take up so much of the airspace because yeah, the right. action is so kind of. Some people would say slow. Yeah. I would say yeah. regimented. Right. Um, 
what are your opinions about basketball announcers? Because that's <laughs> one that basketball is a weird one because it's so fast paced that the announcers yeah. are talking nonstop yeah. and they can make or break and otherwise, yeah. you know, they can take it an exciting game and make it almost transcendent and they can take an exciting game and make it disappointing too if they, if yeah. they handle it wrong. Yeah, I feel like you you nailed it. It's a high floor or a high ceiling, low floor kind of proposition. And it, ESPN's been tinkering with this forever. And I feel like there was a moment where they like kind of let Bill Simmons do it. And you would think, oh, Simmons, he'll be amazing as a basketball announcer. It seemed like a slam dunk, you know, pardon the pun. But that was bad. They've like they've let guys like Magic Johnson try it. That's been a disaster. Um the thing about basketball is it's kind of sneaky who's good at it, you know? Um, so you get some random people who end up being good at it, but like just resonance wise and voice wise, like the, the basketball sounds of my childhood were like Marv Albert, you know? Um, and he had his signature. <laughs> who is still doing it. Who is still doing it, which is great. Right. And I think it's, I think it's one of those where people just associate it with, NBA games that matter, even though there are kind of none of those anymore. The thing that I've noticed with basketball announcers is they're, they have to have a feel for the game like very yeah. few others. And it, you know, so it's sort of this, this, uh, this blend of a little bit of scriptedness with a lot yeah. of kind of ad libbing. Yeah. Because, the worst ones are like the newer announcers who like you can tell they have queued up phrases that they're waiting to drop in. Like they they grew up watching yeah. Stuart Scott and they just want to get like cool like the underside of the pillow right, and broadcast right. somewhere. And they're just gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're just gonna jam that thing in there at some point. Yeah. Or they've got a nickname that they've just gotta throw on there, like, ah, here comes the Greek freak, and you're like, mm, didn't need yeah. it right there. He's literally just dribbling up the court. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Whereas then you get to somebody like Kevin Harlan, who is yeah. hands I like down, Kevin Harlan. My yeah. favorite broadcaster in any sport yeah period so kevin harlan called the timberwolves games on the radio when yeah. the wolves were in like their inaugural seasons up through the 90s so like kevin garnett's yeah. early days stefan marbury tom gugliata also the birth Oops. of my fandom yeah and they were a terrible franchise and he was mm -hmm. a great announcer and because they were terrible he had freedom to just kind of like you said, go off half cocked and kind of say whatever yeah. he wanted. And he just tried out stuff. Yeah. So exciting, but he's not excited all the time. Yeah. Like he just kind of calls the game. He's a little bit funny. He's got a sense of humor. He gives plenty of breathing room to his, his uh, color commentator. But yeah. when somebody is about to make a big play, like he reads the moment and is just on cue with whatever the brilliant call is that's going to like, this is going to be the YouTube highlight forever and ever yeah, Kevin Harlan's yeah, voice sure. over somebody dunking on someone else or hitting a last second three or whatever, similar to Mar yeah. Marv Albert, but with more fire. Yeah. And you just, you don't see that as much in other sports, especially like football. Yeah. Never like yeah. football announcers almost never add to the game. Yeah. They yeah, just sort of it's say like deep pass and he's in to the end zone. And you're like, that didn't accomplish anything. Dude, I have a question about that. I want to go back to that, but I want to say one more basketball thing that I like, which is like old local guys. Um, so when, when I was doing a bunch of Piston stuff back in the early 2000s, they had George Blaha, yes. who is like 94 years old. He was 94 back then. Um, and he, he was the kind of 94-year-old white guy who just like... 
and you could see it all over his face. He adores basketball. You yes. know what I mean? Like, and he lives for it in a way that even though I was like 24 at the time, I was already kind of bored with going to the arena and I was ready to move on. But I would, I would go and I would see Blaha and his sidekick was like Greg Kelser, you know, some Michigan state legend who had a tiny cup of coffee in the league or whatever. And Kelser was kind of boring, but Blaha was the, he was the guy and he brought so much enthusiasm. And you know that like, as soon as the game was over, he was just like going home and watching the tape of it and drinking scotch and couldn't wait to get to the arena the next day. And, you know, there's just a certain kind of loving the sport lunacy that goes with some of these older guys that do it really well. Yeah. I, I wish more, uh, more announcers allowed themselves to love the game. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. They're announcers. They're not journalists. That's like, right. A journalist yeah. has to be neutral, like a, a beat writer. Yeah. A beat writer yeah. can't be a fan. Yeah. But yeah. an announcer is better when they're a fan, at least a fan of the game. Like, that's what yeah. Kevin Harlan is. You can tell he loves the drama of sports, the entertainment yeah. of it. There's a guy named Paul Allen who calls the Vikings games for the radio, who's yep. bonkers. Some uh-huh. of them, like, you, if you go back, so remember, um, the game against the Saints when Stefan Diggs scores that 67-yard touchdown yeah. in the last second. Paul Allen's call of that sounds like lunacy. <laughs> yeah. And as a yeah. Vikings fan, I couldn't adore it more. That's you what know? you want. Yeah. Yes. You want, you want just total unhinged excitement. And then also occasionally being like, these refs suck. They're the worst. Yeah. They're blowing this game. Because you're like, yeah. good. He speaks for me. That's exactly yeah. how I'm. This is my internal monologue coming out on the radio. It's awesome. That's a really good point. Yeah, you kind of want the broadcaster to match whatever your emotional timber is. And if it's a, a Wednesday night game, you know, between two teams who are out of it and nobody cares, it's kind of, it's fine too. It's kind of appropriate to like be a little lower key yeah. about about that sort of thing. So, I want to ask you this, back to the football thing. Where are you at on the whole Tony Romo experience? Because when he started there was like this, you know, hurricane of, of, oh my gosh, this is the greatest broadcasting experience anybody's ever had. But it seems to be, if not cooling, then just like regressing to the mean a little bit with Tony Romo. Where I, were you at on it? I feel like Tony Romo won the tallest midget contest. <laughs> yeah, that's You true. know, the, the, the flood of, oh, he's so insightful. is like, he's not. He's just yeah. saying intelligent things about a game which nobody else is doing. And if, you know, right. it... If you're the, I don't know, if you're the one guy who says a semi-intelligent thing, you sound like a genius when compared to like Troy Aikman's mumbling about nothing. Like there's, yeah, I don't think Romo's a bad broadcaster, yeah, but I'm not, I don't want to listen to him. I just don't care what he has to say. I, he, he's, uh, he's occasionally he says things that are really helpful when he breaks down a play, you know, in terms of like. When they do this, it sets up this. But, like, that's four times a game. I don't want to listen yeah. to them for three hours just to get that. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I think I'm a little bit too old to have any actual affection in my heart for Tony Romo. But I very much have it for Troy Aikman. Like, I have this cousin, and uh, he's a couple years older than me. And we just send each other random, like, Troy Aikman things once in a while. Because we both have man crushes on Troy. And even though he's not the the best broadcaster, far from it. Like, um, 
we'll we'll text each other stuff like, "Hey man, Troy Troy looks really good today." You know, <laughs> like and he'll be like, "Oh my gosh, yes, I noticed." You know, and uh, so we just enjoy Troy Aikman. His voice is is almost settled into that Al Michaels. You just know you're watching a good game because yeah. you can hear his voice on it, and um, that's good. Well, and that's yeah. I will say that about like the the Joe Buck Troy Aikman experience is one of the handful of of broadcaster experiences I can leave on because yeah. it's just it's a, sort of a melodic drone. It's ambient. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's there's, ambient. There's, it's melodic. He, that's right. They, they say very little that matters, but they also say very yeah. little that catches my attention. So it's fine. Uh, no. Yeah. Whereas, uh, what's dude's name for CBS? Uh, Chris <laughs> Collinsworth. Uh, Al. Yeah, 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 exactly. Collinsworth. That's that <laughs> sounded like you were in pain, and also like his voice. Um, yeah, which is yeah. exactly the right combination. He he doesn't say anything useful, <laughs> and he says unuseful things in really painful, unintelligible ways. It's awful. no, you're right, man. That's a hundred percent correct. And like, he wasn't quite. I mean, he was a great player. You know, his career was awesome as a player, but nobody really feels nostalgic affection for Chris Collinsworth. You know, he's not like Jim McMahon or one of these players that, that you would feel like, oh my gosh, there's McMahon. This is so cool. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, Pipe, let's do some baseball stuff. Since we kind of kicked off the show with baseball broadcasting things, I want to talk about how we're feeling about our respective rosters. Because when I texted you the other day, I was just starting kind of my um, my experience with this year's Mariners, and I was feeling less bullish about it. But the more games that I've watched, the more I'm kind of I'm having this roster grow on me for some reasons that are um, performance-related and some reasons that are aesthetics-related. Which, really, uh, which really matters, just for, yeah. for listeners' sake. I want to do a second on Pit Viper sunglasses. Do you know what I'm talking about? I looked them up because you texted about them. And as soon as I looked at them, I was like, ah, yes, these. Yes, I do. Yeah. Know. Everybody's wearing Pit Vipers now. They kind of started, they drifted across my transom probably a year ago when like a certain kind of mulleted dirt bag would wear Pit Vipers. But what was what was the name of that show? Uh, there, was a, there was a comedy series a while yeah. back and the, eastbound and down yes, I never the main character is like yeah. a former triple a pitcher yeah that's yeah he's the pit viper sunglass guy in my mind even if he didn't actually wear them no totally Powers, and it, and that's it, his name it kind of started with the this sort of guy and i remember this weirdly from like the church camp where i where i speak every summer but the sort of guy in high school who's confident enough to pull off like a super ironic mullet like he knows the mullet looks bad and he knows the pit vipers look bad, but he's doing it because he knows also that he's cool. And if he does it, everybody else will do it. Um, that's the kind of like emotional space that pit vipers occupy for me. But it's like, you know, watching a week and a half now of baseball, everybody's wearing them this season. Like JP Crawford's wearing them. He's a look cool guy for us, for the Mariners. Um, we've got a third baseman who we got in a trade. His name's Suarez. He's got like, a die job on his mullet and he's got the like three little um nicks like shaved into his eyebrow yeah um his look is just incredible i could never do it i could never pull yeah, it off yeah if he did he, any he one of the good. things that he currently does he would yeah. you'd be like i don't like this guy when he does them all you're like intriguing oh, okay he's doing all the things like 14 chains 
you know, a couple of bracelets. Like the level at which certain guys accessorize is is a is a source of fascination for me. But all of this to say, I'm feeling kind of more bullish about our roster. We got a couple of fireballers who are young. Matt Brash, which is a great name. Let's do let's do a second on the name Matt Brash. How cool do you think that is compared to other names? Because I'm super in on it. Well, I'm thinking about like the where the so let's compare to my favorite team, the Twins, and like they're young yeah. players who are exceptional coming up this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Joe Ryan is their mm-hmm. is their their young pitcher who's likely to be to be quite good. Yeah, and Joe Ryan versus Matt Brash, you yeah. know. One of these kids is like a bring home to meet your mother guy. Yeah. But but the other one is like, yeah, he's he's a good time. And, yeah, for uh, sure. Matt Brash is the good time. Yeah, dude. Even his delivery is a good time. You you gotta pull up a couple of seconds of him pitching after we're uh after we're done recording. But Oh, I, I follow I follow all social media versions of the pitching ninja. Okay. It's nice. just pitching highlights, and he does all sorts of cool overlays. And he is—he has had some serious Matt Brash features. Um, yeah. Just, and it's one of those accounts. that's great because it's sort of analytical, but it's mm-hmm. also just sort of like, look how cool this is. The pitchers can make a ball do this, which is yeah, pitching man crushes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, no, making fun of hitters for looking stupid and different things. It's a lot of fun. Brash is fun, man. His delivery actually reminds me of like the wild thing Rick Vaughn from Major League. And uh, he throws super hard. He's either throwing strikes or it's going in the dirt. Like our, our catchers have really had to work hard already this season. Um, I like him. I like Logan Gilbert. Yeah, uh, you guys got Robbie Ray, who is one of the yeah. handful of pitchers who looks like he could have pitched in 1993 because he wears a uniform that's like that's uncomfortably <laughs> tight. You have a slight yeah. wedgie. You're muscular, but you're not like an Adonis. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and he's he's just got a little bit of like he just wants to growl at everybody. I kind of hate yeah. him, but I think he's also great. Yeah, no, I feel exactly the same way. And it, it's weird with the Mariners. So like this is the this is the kind of emotional piece that you make with being a Mariners fan it's and it's a greatest strength greatest weakness thing so like Jerry Depoto is just making so many trades that it's fun right so you're like oh we made a trade again this is this is great I'll pop open the article read it a couple minutes of it but then you realize guys are going away who I've just gotten used to you know and I've just gotten to know like I don't know Mike Leake or whoever and now he's gone and yeah, so it's this revolving door, which is fun, but also kind of hard, you know? So I find myself keeping certain guys at like an emotional arm's length because I know they're probably going to be gone because Jerry DePoto's our GM. Um, so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm working through at this point. Can I go back to something you said earlier? You were talking about yeah. Matt Brash's delivery. And <clears throat> yeah. I think like a year or two ago, we were talking about basketball and talking about how every jumper looks the same now, you know, there's yes, like everybody has right. been coached and same in football. Like every mm-hmm. quarterback's delivery looks the same. You know where that's not yeah. happening? Baseball. Yeah. Because that's right, all dude. anybody wants is velocity. And they're like, yeah. Oh, you want to throw like you're a catapult. You want to throw like it's a slingshot. You want to like, yeah. Lead yeah. With, you know, the biggest windup ever. I mean, p- yeah. pitching has gotten more and more, uh, kind of wildly varied, and it's so fun to watch in terms yeah. of all the different ways guys are trying to figure out how to throw harder, throw with more deception. So 
I just I feel like I feel like baseball deserves credit for actually getting mildly more interesting while the other sports have become a little more cookie cutter in certain areas. Oh, 100%, dude. And I th- I think that's what you love about baseball, right? So it even goes back to like the dimensions of the field and how ballpark A is different from ballpark B where that's not really the case in the NFL. It's definitely not the case. I mean, every field in the NFL is the exact same size and every court in the NBA is the same size. And really every NBA gym looks the same, you know, which was not the case when we were growing up, dude. When we were growing up, you know, Market Square Arena in Indianapolis looked a lot different than, um, you know, Madison Square Garden or the Chicago Stadium, the old yep. one. You know, these were these were very like... Yeah, the old Boston Garden... The, uh, yeah, they were they were very tradition saturated, different looking gyms. Like the the gym in Milwaukee when I was a kid growing up, I always remember getting like Sports Illustrated, and they would do a spread on like a Milwaukee Bucks game once every three years. Um, and it had a low ceiling; it had like a drop ceiling. It looked like an office building, right? It had a drop ceiling, and it had one of those like rubberized floors. Where they didn't pay for like parquet yeah. flooring or what whatever. It's called like sport court. Sport court, dude. And it was miserable on your knees. Uh, the gym at Taylor had this. So like every once in a while we'd, we'd get a rainy day and we'd have to go inside and do our football, you know, like sprint workouts in the gym. And, you know, you run for 30 minutes on the sport court and just hate your life. Well, but, and if uh, you try to cut, like it, it sticks yeah. to your shoes. I'm like, I'm surprised everybody didn't blow out their Achilles on those things. Like they were, it was so rough. Exactly. Nobody was moving fast enough at Taylor to blow out their Achilles. It was a bunch of like thick ankled Van Vandersmas just shooting middies, you know, but um, <laughs> boxing out but yeah. aggressively. Exactly. But yeah, every, everything looks the same now. So I, th- I think this is why we love baseball, right? Because you can you can spend that first month of the season kind of getting to know your team getting to know the personalities the deliveries, how they look different how the uniform fits and uh, it sort of becomes an important part of your experience with um, with your team. So I'm I'm doing that now with the Mariners. I'm sad that we've lost Kyle Seager retired. We were big Seager guys, so it's been kind of a slow burn with with Suarez getting used to him. Um, we got Jesse Winker now in the outfield, who I'm I'm moderately excited about. He's a guy that we got from the Reds. You so. have one of the best Mitches in sports. What's that, Mitch Haniger? Oh, mi- oh, Mitches. I yeah. thought you said niches. No, mi- um, niches, which, yeah, glad it didn't sound like another word it rhymes with. Yeah, it was, exactly. Uh, yeah, he just, he's one of those, like, sneaky, really good baseball players. He's a little bit like Kyle yeah. Seeger was, where yeah. I think he hit 39 homers last year. and Dude, right, he's got mad power, but he doesn't look thick or steroidal or any you, of that stuff. And if you hear the name Mitch Haniger, you think, like, yeah. second string catcher, not, exactly. not power hitting outfielder. I'm a huge Mitch guy too, though. I've never known a bad Mitch. I've liked every Mitch that I've ever known. Oh, so, I've known uh, a couple that I wasn't a fan of. I mean, I've known some great ooh. ones, so it's not a it's not a lost name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. It's yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a huge Mitch Haniger guy. Like he, we got him back last year, and he he was coming off some horrible injury where he like ruptured his testicle or something. It was something really lurid. Ah, I think yeah, I need to call in sick to this podcast the rest of the way out. I know, dude. Yeah, and, and you'll have to look that up and verify it. But it was it was something really like lurid and painful sounding where you're like, oh, Mitch, you know, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. And uh, then he comes back and hits all those dingers last year. It was a it was a good a good narrative. But uh, 
I feel like yeah, how- Seattle has always had this sort of under underappreciated white power hitter dating back to like Jay Buhner, you know, yeah, it's sort totally. of a Jay Buhner legacy up through the mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Buhner at least kind of looked the part though. Yeah. Like he was, he was rocked up and steroidal looking like everybody in that era. And he kind of had the like angry guy buzz and goatee thing. Yeah. He, um, he was roided up in personality as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It all kind of checked out, but uh, we actually opened the season against you guys. And I think we split the series too. Too yep. am, am I right about that? Yeah, um, Twins lost two heartbreakers, so like one, two one yeah. run losses. Uh, yeah. The second one was you know the the last out of the game was twelve inches away from being the game winning homer. So it was I mean really yeah. close. And then the Twins yeah. won the next two. You know, yeah, not they wasn't blowouts, but you know decisively. I was enjoying your lineup though. Like I, I think Buxton is really fun. Um, like your stars are at a place where. Like we hope Julio Rodriguez and Kyle yeah. Lewis and Kelnick and all these outfield prospects that we have hopefully will will one day be that fun. Yes, but, yeah. Um, Buxton is um, Buxton is a healthy season away from being a top two or three MVP candidate. Like he's that yeah, good in terms absolutely. of one of the best defenders. Ridiculous power, especially for a guy who's pretty thin. I mean, he's he's muscular, mm-hmm. but he's pretty thin. Yeah. Super fast. Uh, yeah. He just, if he plays 130 to 145 games this year, I think he'll be top five in the MVP just because his overall production is nuts. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's uh he's a superstar for sure. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad it's back, man. I'm glad baseball's back. Any other like look cool guys that you want to talk about on the, on the twins? You know, the twins are not a very cool looking team this year. The, the two yeah. exceptions are Joe Ryan, who I mentioned earlier, and then they traded for yeah. a pitcher named Chris Paddock, who is mm-hmm. uh, from, from San Diego. Both of those guys have the like old West gunslinger vibe where they nice. have, they have the hair and the facial hair. So like mustache and long hair. <laughs> uh, I love it. So yeah, I mean, if if they were like a Stetson and a six shooter, they'd be in you know Wild Bill's Old West show or something. And so they yeah. they've got that vibe going. Um, other than that, like they're just it's a bunch of pretty like athletic looking, clean cut dudes, which yeah. makes for a solid team. But not the like there's not a lot of interesting variation on the team. Like they don't the Twins have no more fat dudes. You know, Williams yeah, Astadio, that's hard, resident dude. fat dude yeah. for the last several years, is gone. They don't have yeah. any, like, chubby power-hitting, you know, DHs. Yeah. It's it's a little disappointing. To- that's kind of going away. Baseball players are too fit nowadays. Um, we don't have any fat guys either, and it, and it kind of makes me sad. But yeah, they're, I mean, they're few and far between. Yeah, there's uh, Vogelbach is still bouncing around, pun completely mm-hmm. intended. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy named Rowdy Telez who plays... Oh, what a great name, first, too. First base, at least on a rotation, for the Brewers. If the Brewers don't have a fat guy, what is Wisconsin even doing? That's, oh, absolutely. That's really the that, like Of all the teams, yeah, them and I think the White Sox. I think the White Sox need to have a chubby guy, too. The problem is the White Sox <laughs> are like this super rocked-up athletic team now, too, which is yeah, yeah. You know, good for them. The Sox kind of... And it was, a, it was a weird camera angle thing, <clears throat> and it might have been a uniform thing. Their left fielder looked a little bit fat to me, but I'm like, he's oh, playing in the outfield. Yeah, yeah, he's super athletic. Yeah, but. But he's exactly. He's like, he's kind of man mountain. I think he's like 6'5 yeah. and 240, so he's got a little bit of yeah. insulation. But yeah. uh, 
but also he reminded like, me of like Martellus Bennett, you yeah, know, like a athletic super athletic dude. tight end with a not great body, you know. Pipe, let's do a couple minutes to close the show on NBA stuff because the Grizzlies and the Wolves are uh, they're playing now in a playoff series. Is this right? They are, yeah. So at the time of recording, that it'll mm -hmm. this that series opens tomorrow. So there'll be a game or two into it by the time this releases, and uh, I'm mm -hmm. very excited. A because the Timberwolves are in the playoffs, uh, yeah. which is a, a a very rare thing in my lifetime, and yeah. Because this the season series against Memphis has been really fun. Like three mm -hmm. games, one of which was a total blowout for the Wolves, and I think that's just an outlier. And the other two yeah. games have been really close, hard fought. Uh they're they're just they're pretty equally matched teams, despite the Grizzlies being a two seed and the Wolves being a seven seed. Interesting. Yeah. No, that should be fun. I have watched zero minutes of NBA on TV this entire season. Uh, but I went to a Grizzlies game a couple of weeks ago, and it happened to be... Did we talk about this on the show? Um, or have we talked about this as people? Or neither? I, you mentioned it to me, but I don't remember a lengthy conversation about it. So it was a church youth group trip. And we talked on our, our, on our main show about how there's no more youth group, which is kind of true. But this was like a bunch of parents taking a bunch of kids to a Grizzlies game. And our kids were all really excited about it. But the rub was like, we were getting like a March blizzard that night and we were supposed to get like six inches of snow yes. in West Tennessee that night. And, you know, so it was one of those things where like, as a dad, you're just looking at the weather the whole time going, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. And we went anyway, we sat in the like, upper 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 reaches of the upper deck like lift your arm up and touch the ceiling like it makes I mean, it the nosebleed like, bleed yeah i mean it felt like you were watching a game through like a neighbor's window across the street you know that's how close it felt um and yeah so the whole experience was just kind of detached and and very generic antiseptic you know, there's nothing about the Grizzlies gym that's even remotely interesting. Um, it was it was a weird experience that, like, almost every time I go to a sporting event, I can find something to get romantic about. And I usually do. Uh, I usually get romantic, excited whenever I, like, walk through the gate for the first time and see the seats or whatever. But I don't know if it was the blizzard or having to keep track of 44 kids or what it was, but I, I didn't <laughs> feel it this time. However, I got one very important piece of business done during this game because they were playing the Knicks. And I realized Taj Gibson is my NBA player comp. Wait, he's old. Is he on the Grizzlies? No, he's on the Knicks. Okay. That sounds right. Because, yeah, he and Tibbs are, are uh, they have yeah. some sort of platonic connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Platonic. But I'm like, this guy's old. He's kind of thick. He plays a lot of minutes, but doesn't impact the game a whole lot. I'm Taj Gibson. That's that's <laughs> my guy. So I got that out of it at least. I going to NBA games unless you have great seats is not. Yeah, fun. it's a waste. Yeah, it's uh, because the TV experience. Basketball is is maybe the best television sport. Um, it's good on TV. Yeah, like, football sure. is good on TV, but you miss 
a lot because you can't see the yeah. whole field and how that everything's working together. I think yeah. soccer is probably way better in person. Uh, yeah. Same with yeah. hockey. Hockey's way better in person. Basketball, mm-hmm. you, it's just better on TV unless you have yeah. lower bowl seats kind of with, with a really good sight line. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I haven't been to an NBA game in a few years, but <clears throat> the last time I went, we had, we had lower bowl seats kind of corner of the court. And that, that's great because then you can... You can see the the athleticism and how the plays are coming together and everything. But yeah, yeah. I I would much rather watch it at home. And uh, yeah. it, yeah, I don't know. Upper if you get upper level seats for the NBA, like I I don't you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You just lit on fire. It really is, man. And uh, yeah, I think I think that was the one the one big takeaway was uh, don't don't do I, this again. I will say you go lower. I will say this though, it's. Now, what was it? A Thursday night game in a snowstorm. So I'm sure the energy in the yeah. building was pretty low. Uh, uh-huh. un, I think the NBA, more than any other sport aside from maybe hockey, lives and dies by the energy of the fans. Um, yeah, that's a you good know, point. If you, have a, if you have a full arena and it's hyped mm-hmm. in there. So like the Wolves-Clippers um, play-in game. I watched mm-hmm. it on TV, obviously. But you could you could feel the energy of those fans, which was wild to me yeah. because the target center is a graveyard most of the time. This year's they, yeah. they've started to turn it around a little bit because the team has been competitive and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it would make such a difference to be sitting in there with like the roar when big shots happen and the momentum shifts and everything that makes a ton of difference. But just, just from a game watching experience, it's not great in person. Yeah, it it isn't. And it's interesting. Like, and this is old guy talk now, and I've got I've got to hop off the show here in a couple of minutes. But like they they do so much to sort of fakely manufacture enthusiasm, but I think it has a net negative impact on actual enthusiasm. Like silence would be preferable to the like overly hair gelled little weirdo that they have on the microphone during every break, yes. like running around trying to get everybody excited, you know. Yeah, I agree, and it 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 uh, it takes away like it it trains fans not to kind of engage the game because they're like, oh, there wasn't like the the signal telling me to cheer or the meter on the screen yeah. telling me to get louder, as opposed to just mm-hmm. sort of being like the momentum of the game told me to get louder and roaring yeah. defense, defense, that kind yeah. of thing. That was what yeah. I noticed in the in that in that playing game was the way the fans jumped on the the flow of the game and cheering yeah. for defense and trying to you know disrupt free throw shooters and stuff and I'm like oh none of this is is being dictated in the arena this is all just fans knowing yeah. the game which is which is rare and really awesome when it happens no it absolutely is and and when you do catch that on a broadcast or even better in person it is kind of a magical thing and I, and I think as sports fans that's that's kind of what we're chasing, right? Like you're chasing an experience and it can come in different packages. Like weirdly, when I posted up in that classroom with Tristan to watch the Mariners the other day and Steve Stone was doing the bag thing and he and I were like laughing about it and doing doing little bits about it. It was like, this is what you go to sports for. You know, yes. th- this is kind of in its own stupid way, a really memorable, fun time. And it was a weird game, too, in that the wind's blowing 94 miles an hour sideways. And so, like, the White Sox were hitting pop-ups. Like, 
you know, routine pop flies in the infield that would be outs, but our guys were like dropping them. And so they were getting runners on and bringing runners around because of this, this insane wind. It was just kind of fun and memorable, but nobody went into the experience thinking like this afternoon's White Sox Mariners game is going to be magical. Um, and I think that's why you go. It's why you keep going back. It's why you keep watching games on TV. You're looking for, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, I, I think we've talked about this before, but sports remain the only form of entertainment that is entirely unpredictable. Very true. I, I mean, yeah, the, very, the very possibilities true. in any given competition, they could completely blow your mind. You know, yeah. if you go into a James Bond movie, you know exactly what you're going to get. If you go into an M. Night Shyamalan yeah. movie, you know exactly what you're going to get. You go into a Scorsese yeah. movie, you know exactly what you're going to get. Even if the story right. is new to you, you go into yeah. a Wolves-Grizzlies game, anything could happen. The Grizzlies could beat the Wolves by 40. The Wolves could beat the Grizzlies by 40. Somebody could go off for 60 points. Four people could be ejected. Yeah. Somebody could go in the stands and throw a punch. Like, everything yeah. is on the table and it's yeah. it's a whole different kind of and even if it's mundane and it's just like a 12 point game with one team wins you're going to see something yeah interesting unique fascinating get you out of your seat like there's just there's a different yeah. level of unexpected uh enjoyment yeah there is and if and if you have and if you're an observant person and this is what we try to teach our kids i think like you can find those enjoyable magical moments and it ends up being the thing that you talk about when you're driving home, you know, um, which is fun. And that's why you go to the ballpark, to the arena, like the, the drive home, the debrief, um, all of that's almost as much fun as the game itself. And, uh, I, I think this is why we love this stuff so much. So pipe, we have, we have done what we always do in that we've covered these topics, but we could have probably gone deeper. So we're going to need to do this again pretty soon. Uh, we'll have to do my like offensive line episode, uh, or NFL draft episode. We'll keep, keep tabs on the baseball stuff as it unfolds. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this again real soon. And I just realized I didn't, I didn't do the, let's take a break thing. So hopefully our, our good friends at life audio will figure out when to drop the breaks. Our our editor will, will create a couple spots for it. He's good. Yeah. I'm still getting my feet wet on this thing. So apologies, (laughs) life audio. You're new to this podcasting gig. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only been hosting for eight years, but uh, yeah, this was fun, man. Uh, we've done what we always do, and until next time. Thank you for listening to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. Be sure to visit thehappyrant.com to check out our merchandise, learn more about upcoming live events, and listen to past episodes. Want to learn more about God and His will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinise Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.